Good morning. Uh, my name is Barak. I'm one of the pastors here, and today is my pleasure and honor to stand before you to open the Word of God. Uh, I hope you're all well, and all of those joining us online, hello and welcome, and thank you for joining us today. Um, as we start today, I'd like us to, to think and consider what it means to, to have expectations and, and, and what, what, what it feels like when the reality does not meet our expectation. Uh, and to, to help me just get, get you to see the picture, I'd like to tell you about some food I tried once. Um, see, as, as I was growing up, we, we used to watch TV, a lot of TV in Kenya, and we would see a lot of American TV, and we would see uh, every once in a while uh, peanut butter jelly sandwiches. And then they would come up again and again. And, and so I, I used to imagine how they taste, and I used to imagine how they, they are. And, and so eventually, at some point, I got tired of imagining uh, how these things taste. And I went to Google and so just tried to figure out how to make a peanut butter jelly sandwich. And I found out that jelly is what in Kenya we call jam. It's like, hey, <laughs> I have jam, and I have peanut butter, and I have bread. I'll try it. So I just took bread and I slithered on a big chunk of peanut butter. Then I took jam, jelly, and I put it on. And then I covered it. And I, I didn't even sit down. I took a big bite. <laughs> Can I just tell you, I've never been more disappointed <laughs> in my whole life. I was so heartbroken. I looked at this sandwich and I thought to myself, why? Why, why do they talk about it so much? <laughs> and, and it's not to say that there is something wrong with you if, if you like peanut butter jelly sandwiches. It's just me saying that my palate and it do not agree. Absolutely, like, it just didn't make sense for me. And it's the same way Pastor Aaron called me once and told me, he came to the office and said, Barak, I finally found Kenyan mangoes. And, and I asked him, how did you find them? And then he said, hey, I, I enjoyed And then he said something about peeling. The mango, and I asked, why would you peel a mango? <laughs> Just bite it and eat it like that. He was like, are you for real? I was like, yeah. So he went home and tried, and he called me. He was like, why would you eat the skin? <laughs> the thing is, sometimes we have expectations, and the reality does not meet the expectation. It's, it's that feeling of, you, you expect something because of how it's been presented, and then the reality of it does not meet. Or sometimes the reality of it even exceeds your expectations. Sometimes that's exactly what happens to us when we come to church. Without realizing it, you, you may have some certain expectations of who and what you think God is, which often determines how disappointed or how excited you are when you finally meet him. So here's a question for you. What is your view of God? And what is your view of his promises? I know it seems like an easy question, but how we view God often determines how we approach him and what to expect of him. Do you see God as a heavenly Santa Claus? with a bag full of gifts and blessings for you, with a checklist of whether you've been naughty or nice, and that determines how much you get from him? Do you view God as a grandfather, full of wisdom, seated by a father with a big white flowing beard and, and a deep voice who's constantly giving you advice? Do you see him as a movie director in his directing chair, 
watching the world fall apart, sending calamity and tragedy or orchestrating wars and terror attacks? Do you see him as a friend who holds your hair back while you vomit after a night out drinking too much? Who carries you to their vehicle? No questions asked. Just make sure you get home safely. Do you see him as a police officer, frowning, detached, unmovable, unforgiving, and unimpressed by your excuses, patrolling our lives, watching and waiting for us to fail and break his law? Do you see him as a demanding parent? Someone said, it took me 20 years to wipe the face of my earthly father from that of my heavenly father. Some of us may see God as a parent demanding us to achieve. Nothing we ever do is perfect or good enough. And there's always a lot of conditional acceptance. Or do you see God as a VIP? Hard to access, that he must be busy doing great things and he has no time for riffraff like you. How do you see God? What about his promises? What are your expectations of him and, and what is the reality of what his word says about him? Today as we look at this promise found in Matthew chapter 7, seek and you will find me, allow me to suggest to you that how we view God often determines how we seek him, how we ask, and how we knock at his door. The funny thing is that there is no fine print or legal jargon hidden in the text. God is not playing hide and seek with you. He's not playing hard to get. He's not trying to trick you. It is indeed a promise. And today, as we continue with our promises series, we will see what Jesus means by ask, seek, and knock. We will see that it is not us trying to twist God's arm to get whatever we want. It, we will see that it actually means being in close communion with the Father, knowing him, and asking him to perform his will. We will see that this promise is more than just a promise of asking, seeking, and knocking. We will see that it is actually an invitation to a relationship with him. Let us pray and get right into it. Father, I thank you so much for this amazing opportunity you've given me to stand before your people to open up your word for your glory, Lord. Lord, I pray that you'll prepare our hearts to hear from you. And that, Lord, through your Holy Spirit, you'll, you'll start the work in us, Lord, to quicken our spirits so that we can obey what we learn today, so that we can be changed by your word, Lord, and so that we can also be doers of what your word says, not just hearers of it only. Lord, I also pray for myself that you'd give me the courage to step out of the way and allow you to minister to your people, to your spirit, for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Matthew chapter 7, verse 7. Ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives. The one who seeks finds. And to the one who knocks the door will be opened. Which of you, if your son asks for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will give him a snake? Verse 11, if you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly Father give good gifts to those who ask him? So, in everything, 
do to others what you would have them do to you, for this sums up the law and the prophets. See, at the beginning of this year, we, we started with studying through the book of Matthew, and we stopped right after the Sermon on the Mount. We stopped right after uh, the Beatitudes are given, the, this amazing sermon that Jesus gives. And this passage of scripture that we are on revisits uh, that again, takes us back to that Sermon on the Mount, takes us back to, to this moment where we get this remarkable promise about God. God and, and when Jesus gives us this authoritative invitation concerning his father, he says, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. A few weeks ago as well, two weeks ago, Pastor Tim was right here and, and he gave us an idea of, of the different types of promises we have in scripture. He, he talked about those which are um, con- unconditional promises, that is, I promise I will do or I will not. And he gave us the example of the flood and he reminded us that the, the rainbow is a, is a reminder of that promise that God gave. He says, I will never destroy the world in this way ever again, an unconditional promise. He promises he will not do it. But then there are those which are considered as conditional promises. There if then promises. If you do this, I will do this. Or if this happens, I will do this. This promise is one of those promises. It's one of those if then promises. If you do this, God says, I will do this in return. However, notice that Jesus is not just giving a magic formula that, that anything you ask for, anything you seek, you will find. So first we have to try and understand what makes this promise conditional. What, 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 what constitutes the conditionality of this promise? First, we have to consider who is being told this. Imagine with me, uh, today we came with my two daughters to church and they were in the first service. Imagine if I walked into uh, the Sunday school, one of them was in Sunday school at fifth floor. I opened the door and I just leaned in and I just looked in her general direction and I said, today after service, we are going to the aquarium at Dubai Mall. And then I closed the door. Every child in there would think that I was talking to them. Or my wife normally sits somewhere around here and I said, today after service, we're going to Bajal Arab for lunch. Everyone here <laughs> would think I'm inviting them to lunch at Bajal Arab. But I'm just talking to my wife. The thing is, just because you heard me say it, doesn't mean you are invited to it. But if I said it to a close group of friends in the hearing of other people, it means more people are invited, but there is a catch still a close group of friends. For, for the record, we are not going to Bajal Arab or Dubai Mall <laughs> after the service, okay? Uh, I don't want anyone to come claim it. <laughs> but the point is we have to consider who is being told this so that we can know who can access it. You can put it this way. This promise here is an invitation It is an open invitation, but it's not an open-ended invitation. Not everyone hearing it is invited to it. Not everyone has a right to this invitation. It's, 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 Jesus isn't inviting everyone in the world to ask things of the Father. He is, he's speaking only to a specific group, and if someone were to take this invitation out of context, then they would come asking, seeking, and knocking with the Father when they didn't have the right to do so, and they would only be frustrated by it. Expectation versus reality. 
That's why you'd hear people saying things like, I tried that Christianity thing, thing once and it didn't work for me. Matthew chapter 5 from verse 1 to 2, it gives us the image of who Jesus is talking to. It tells us the people who Jesus is having this conversation with. It says this, now when Jesus saw the crowds, he went up on a mountainside and sat down. His disciples came to him and he began to teach them. Who is them? He's talking specifically to his disciples. He's talking to those who've chosen to follow him. And by extension, everyone else who's hearing. So he's, it's not just to the 12, but also he, he opens the pool just a little. From verse 3, he opens the pool and he starts telling them this. That, that this particular message is for those who have recognized that they are poor in spirit. And who need God's grace. It's for those who mourn and grieve over their sin, the sin in their lives. And who come to God meekly and humbly, hungering and thirsting for, a right, for the righteousness that is not of their own. And having received this righteousness of God's grace through faith in Christ Jesus, that these are the ones who they demonstrate again after receiving God's grace. They demonstrate it in their lives by showing mercy, by living with a purity of heart, by seeking to bring others to a state of peace with God through Christ Jesus, and by being willing to suffer persecution in Christ for righteousness' sake. These are the ones Jesus is saying this promise is for. This promise is for those who are followers of Jesus. These and only these are the ones who this promise is made to. They are the ones who are called to continue to pursue that relationship, to continue seeking, to continue asking, to continue knocking. They are the ones who can approach the Father and ask, seek, and knock. That is, those who have believed in Jesus Christ and follow him faithfully as his disciples. Are you part of his family? Remember, last week, uh, Pastor John Sugars told us about the idea of the greatest promise, the hardest promise, but also the, the greatest promise as well. The promise is we will all die at some point. But then the, the, the beauty of that promise is there's another attachment to it, that we will not stay dead, we have eternal life with him. But that eternal life in glory is only for those who have a relationship with him. It's the same reminder here. We have to have a relationship with him to enjoy the benefit of this promise. Coming to church once a week does not make you a Christian. Reading the Bible does not make you a follower of Jesus. Living right does not justify you. It's not something you do for yourself. There's an African saying that I came to know through the writings of Mukomawa Goge and says, you cannot know a river by drinking a glass of its water. Do you know Jesus? Or do you show up once a week for an experience of church? Does Jesus know you? Do you have a relationship with him? Or do you just want things from him? The second bit is, I want us to look not only at the people who Jesus was talking to, but I want us to look more closely at the words he says. And for us to see that more clearly, I'd love us to, to just look at how it is written in the New Living Translation. I love how it is, is translated there. Matthew chapter 7, verse 7 says, Keep on asking, and you will receive what you ask for. Keep on seeking, and you will find. Keep on knocking, and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks, receives. Everyone who seeks, finds. And everyone who knocks, the door will be opened. It gives us the image of 
ongoing asking, ongoing seeking, and ongoing knocking. The, 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 act, the continual actual, uh, action here is, is a reminder that Jesus is talking in the present tense. Keep on asking, keep on seeking, keep on knocking. Now allow me to add a layer of meaning to these words for the sake of this sermon. We, we might know what it means by always and what it means by keeping on, but what does asking, seeking, and, and, and knocking mean? See, asking implies humility and a consciousness of need. We ask when we can't do it by ourselves. That's why we ask. Seeking is not only asking and, and knowing that we, we have this humility of asking, but it's actually adding action to it. Seeking is asking and adding action to it. Knocking is asking, acting, and persevering, persisting with God. The words of Jesus in the original language are given to us grammatically, not just in the present tense, but also in an imperative tone, as a command. That means they constitute a command of ask, seek, and knock. It means that it constitutes a command that is to be obeyed by us as followers of Jesus on a regular and ongoing practice of life. Essentially, always be asking, always be seeking, always be knocking, always. This is how we are to live as followers of Jesus. And also, please notice that the promise that Jesus attaches to this command, it's not just him telling us to always ask, always seek, always knock. He promises results. If you ask, it will be given to you. If you seek, you will find. If you knock, the door will be opened. The implication, of course, is that it isn't given to the ones who don't ask. It isn't found by the ones who don't seek. And the door isn't open to those who do not knock but specifically to those who ask, seek, and knock, that they receive, find, and have the door open to them. This, again, is an invitation, an invitation to a relationship with Jesus, yet it is also a command to take up a regular habit of always asking, always seeking, always knocking. The word there, again, is always. Does that then mean that God wants us to beg. See, don't, don't misunderstand this. God is not playing hard to get. It is not hide and seek with you, with him being the hide and seek champion since the Garden of Eden. You may not see it clearly yet, but it is an invitation to get us to cultivate a relationship with him. It is an invitation to persistence in our relationship with God, an indication of our seriousness and of our confidence that God will answer. It is us petitioning God with an expectant attitude. Going back to the idea of expectation versus reality, or, or rather us interrogating how, how God was initially presented to us or to you and what you found in him and the reality that you finally found. Going back to the idea of how we view God, some of us sometimes struggle with the idea of prayer and God mainly because of how he was presented to us in the first place. Some of us think that because we have been told that some people have special relationship, relationships with God, that somehow they have a special access to God. Some of us here might think that just because there's a title pastor before my name that there is something special about my relationship with God and God hears my prayers more. God does not have favorites. And even if he did, I doubt I would qualify to be one of his favorites. I doubt it. See, 
There is nothing that, that makes God listen to me more and, and makes God listen to you less. There is nothing about me because I'm, I have a title that means that my prayers are hard more. When you pray, he will answer you. There is nothing special about my prayer. He hears you just like he hears me. However, there is something special about my relationship with God. Just like there is something special about your relationship with him as well. The thing is, the more you spend time with God, the more you know him and the more you grow with him. And that is exactly how a relationship works. And on the face of it, this looks like a promise of when you ask, I will answer. When you seek, you will find. When you knock, the door will be opened. But the truth is, it is a promise of a relationship. And if I could have the opportunity to rewrite that promise, this is how I would rewrite it. That as you walk with me, God saying this, that as you walk with me, I will walk with you. I think back to, to when we didn't have these things in our pockets, controlling every moment of, of our lives. Think back to that, to that time when, when we didn't have these things with us. Imagine with me, back in the day, um, when, when we, in Kenya, for example, if, if we wanted to meet with someone, you would agree on a set time. Maybe they'd call you on your house phone and say, tomorrow, let's meet at 10 a.m. at, let's say, Bata Hilton. And then you go there, and you stand at this building at 10 a.m., and you wait. And when 10 a.m. comes, you keep waiting. You don't start thinking, did they say today? Or was it tomorrow? There's no way for you to call them to find out what they meant. And at 10.02, you don't start thinking, did they mean this side of the hotel or the other side of the hotel? You just stand there waiting patiently because you trust them and because you need them to come, for, to come and show up for you. It's exactly the same thing with God. As we ask, as we seek, and as we wait, we wait on him, trusting that he will show up without us controlling when he's showing up because it's a relationship we have with him. Think about it this way for a moment. See, some of us might think, that this is a new idea that Jesus Christ brought in the New Testament. That it's a new idea that Jesus is bringing, the idea of relationship. Uh, and, and some of you might think that, that this did not exist anywhere else in Scripture, and it's only new in the New Testament, and this is not who God is. However, if that's what you think, then you missed our last sermon series. It's called The Origins, and I would recommend that you go back and watch it. You see, sometimes we make the mistake of imagining that there are two gods the God of the Old Testament and the God of the New, and that the God of the Old Testament was not interested in a relationship or loving his people, that he was more interested in judging, destroying, and killing. But if we go back to maybe even the book of Deuteronomy and look at how God describes his relationship with his people or how they themselves describe their relationship with God, they say this in Deuteronomy chapter 4, verse 7, what other nation is so great as to have their gods near them the way the Lord our God is near us whenever we pray to him, whenever we seek him. And, and, and then you, you might think, you know, that, that promise that, that is there is only based on whether these people are good. 
if you read the Old Testament, you'll see that every time they, they get it wrong, God just punishes them. God just is very harsh with them. And, but you don't notice this, that God even attaches, a, in the same chapter, God attaches this promise. He says, even when you have abandoned me, even when you have gone away from me, even when you are lost in your sin, this is what he says in verse 29. But if from there you seek the Lord, your God, you will find him if you seek him with your, all your heart and all your soul. If from there, from your captivity, if from there, from your sin and brokenness, if from there you seek and you call on him, he will answer you. Some of you might think that you have lost your way, that maybe you had a relationship with God at some point but you fell off the wagon and now you are damaged goods, that you are not good enough for him. God says to you that his relationship with you was never dependent on how great you are, but on how faithful he is as God. Even right now, right now, from where you are, in your shame and in your sin and in your backslidden state, if you seek him, you will find him. Even the psalmist says, you, Lord, are forgiving and good, abounding in love to all who call you, to all who seek you. Please do not believe the lie that you have to clean yourself up before you come back to God. I do not know of anyone who pre-washes their car before they take it to the car wash. something may have stood out for you as we are going through this. And maybe that is your main objection. Maybe that is what is leaving a bad taste in your mouth like my peanut butter jelly experience. <laughs> maybe, maybe you saw it in the conditionality of this promise or even in that verse in Deuteronomy. Verse 29 of Deuteronomy 4 says, but if from there you seek the Lord your God, you will find him if you seek him with all your heart and with all your soul. Maybe you're thinking to yourself, Barak, that is just God's way of making this promise impossible for anyone to achieve. I mean, I could seek him and he could choose to say, well, you didn't use your whole heart and your whole soul. Maybe you think that God is cruel or maybe your objection and resistance comes from the realization that this is a continual thing, as we quoted it from the New Living Translation. Keep on asking and you will receive. Keep on seeking and you will find. Keep on knocking and the door will be opened to you. Why do we have to keep on chasing God? Why do we have to keep on seeking him? Why do we have to keep on knocking? If, if he is a loving God, why not just answer the first time? Why not show himself without us trying to seek? Why keep his door closed? Allow me to start with the first objection in Deuteronomy. What does it mean to seek God with your whole heart and with your whole soul? See, for us to understand that best, because that verse is talking about people who are lost and away from God in captivity, them seeking God with their whole heart and with their whole soul, I'd like us to look at a different character in Scripture who was lost in their sin, who actually, when he saw a woman bathing, decided to break all ten commandments at once. He was just like, okay, I'll go for all ten. Let's just break them all at once. And he was far away from God. 
He was completely far away from God, and he comes to this realization of his sin, and this is what he says in Psalm 51, because this is the Psalm David wrote after his sin with Bathsheba. This is what he says, open my lips, Lord, and my mouth will declare your praise. You do not delight in sacrifice, or I would bring it. You do not take pleasure in burnt offering. My sacrifice, O God, is a broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart. You, God, will not despise. Other versions say a broken and contrite heart the Lord will not reject. Seeking God with your whole heart and with your whole soul is seeking him in the awareness of your brokenness. It's simply you knowing that you have done wrong and you are turning back to him. That is all it takes for you to seek him with your whole heart and with your whole soul. Secondly, the question you may be having is, why, why do we need to seek him over and over again? Ask over and over again, knock and knock and knock. If, if that's what you hear, then clearly you have missed a big part of this promise. Look at it this way. If I put a picture on the screen and I said, that picture right now is a picture of everyone in this congregation right now, what's the first thing you would do? What most people would do is look for their face in the picture. We have this inbuilt desire to find ourselves in the crowd. And that's exactly what we do whenever we come to promises. We zoom in on our part. We zoom in on what does this mean for me. We look for ourselves in the promise and completely miss God in it. When we look for ourselves in the conditional promise, we completely miss what God promises. Let's look at this verse again. Verse 7 says, keep on asking, that's your part, and you will receive what you ask for. That's his part. Keep on seeking, your part, and you will find his part. Keep on knocking, that's your part, and the door will be opened to you, his part. For everyone who asks, receives his part. Everyone who seeks finds his part, and everyone who knocks the door will be opened. The continual asking, the continual seeking, the continual knocking is not some kind of repetitive, mindless act, but a journey of relationship. We are called to walk with him continually, to commune with him continually, and to know him continually. See, because I have a relationship with my children, I tell them as often as I can how much I love them. Or I could tell them, I told you on the first day when you were born, and that should carry you for the next 20 years. <laughs> That's not how relationships work. Every day I seek to grow my relationship with them and I seek to do it daily. And that's the same way God is asking us to do. The same way you're seeking to grow your relationship with him is the same way he's seeking to grow his relationship with you. This is not a call to continually suffer in seeking, asking and knocking, but an invitation to walk with him daily. This is a call to us to persist in our relationship with him. Ask seek and knock keep at it 
Be persistent. Don't give up until you receive the answer you're seeking from God. Don't give up on your relationship with God. It's not that God is unwilling to answer us when we ask. The problem is, is, is not that we are not willing to demonstrate true faith in him by being persistent in our asking. It's, it's us being at that place where we, we are struggling to, to actually do this consistently. And let me take this moment just for a second to, to encourage anyone here who you've been consistently praying for the same thing over and over again for years and, and you're still waiting for the answer. There are those here who are praying for jobs. There are those here who are praying for, for the chance to just even feel a, a child kick in their womb, uh, the feeling of, of being a parent. There are those who are praying for family members to, to, to receive salvation. There are those who are praying for healing either for themselves or for others. Keep on praying and keep on seeking. Do not stop. Repeated prayers are not because God is reluctant to give to his own, but repeated prayers show eagerness to have God answer. It is boldness to remind God of our needs. Notice, notice how Jesus reminds us of the same idea in the following verses. He says this, verse 9, Which of you, if your son asks for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will give him a snake. If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give good gifts to those who ask of him? So in everything you do, do unto others, um, do, sorry, others what you would have them do to you. For this sums up the law and the prophets. Jesus is reminding us again, if we in our fallen state, if we in our broken state know how to give good gifts to our children, how much more God? Jesus made it clear that God doesn't have to be persuaded or appeased in prayer. He wants to give us not just bread, but even more than what we ask for. Sometimes when we even get it wrong and pray for things that would destroy us, God, in his faithfulness, answers us in his wisdom. There's a Swahili saying. I'll say it in Swahili and then I'll translate it to English. It's, mtoto akililia wembe mpe. It translates to, if a child keeps on asking for a razor blade, give it to them. Let them learn for themselves why you are saying no from the beginning. And some of us imagine that this is how God is. That's not how God is. No matter how much we ask for something that could harm us, God doesn't go like, okay, let him have it. He doesn't do that. Thankfully, the times we ask for something as bad as a serpent without knowing it, like a loving parent, God often mercifully spares us the just penalty of our ignorance. So it takes us back to what we think about God because that determines how we approach him and have a relationship with him. It takes us back to expectation and reality. So for me, this is what it means. All the promises, every single one of them is based on a relationship with him. Know his heart, know him, and walk with him. It's not about what you can get from him because that is not how any relationship works. None. No relationship is ever based on what you can get from the person. To me, he is more than God. He is my father. And we lay our requests before one who is our heavenly father. 
one who loves us infinitely. He desires to give us only what is good for us. And in his great wisdom, he knows what, is, what good is. He will never give us something bad even when we ask for something good. But neither will he give us all that we ask for. Because it's not that all we ask for, everything we ask for is good for us to have. However, we can ask in absolute confidence in his love and trust him to answer only in the way that is better than our asking could ever be, even when his answer to us is no. The last question I'll ask today is this. Do you view God that way as your heavenly father? If you do, then you'll know that he loves you. And, and I know, you know that it will be exciting for you to, to actually receive this invitation from our Savior. And I hope you will make it a regular habit in life to take him up on it, to always be asking, always be seeking, and always be knocking. Amen? Amen. Let us pray. Dear Father, I thank you so much for your word. And I thank you, Lord, that you invite us to have a relationship with you. Thank you that as a father in heaven, that's what you desire of your children. And so, Lord, I want to pray for anyone here who's never had a relationship with you. Now, Lord, maybe they've come into this place every once in a while just to experience church, but they don't know you as a father or as a friend. Lord, I pray that today will be the day they know they can run to you as a father and they can fall into your grace. Lord, I also want to pray for those of us who already know you as a father, but we've been praying for the same things over and over again, and Lord, it feels like we're, we're getting frustrated and we're, we're losing our hope in that, Lord. I pray that today, Lord, that you will answer clearly to those prayers that have been prayed for years. And Lord, those who have been persistent in prayer over things that they're still waiting on you for, Lord, that you will answer so clearly that in the coming weeks, Lord, we will hear testimony after testimony of what you have done. And Lord, I pray that even in answering those prayers, Lord, that it will bring them back to give you glory and honor, Lord. That it will not be because they've received now they love you more, but they will receive and know that you are a father who gives good gifts. Lord, I want to pray lastly for anyone here who wants a relationship with you. Uh, Lord, anyone who's not in your family and, and, and they want to ask boldly, Lord, I pray that today they will ask this, that they will ask of your forgiveness and that they will receive it as well. For your glory and our joy in Jesus' name, amen and amen. God bless you.